Good morning, everybody. Um, we really should get uh, started here. We've got uh, exactly one hour um, to cover uh, an impossible amount of material. So uh, let's just bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together here at uh, Eastern Camp and especially here this morning to talk about this uh, very important uh, issue. We pray, Lord, and just simply ask that you would open our eyes to see what's uh, clearly what's going on in the world around us, that you would also open our eyes to see what the enemy is trying to do in the lives of us as individuals, as believers, in the lives of our children, our families, in the, lives, in the life of the church, and to your kingdom. Bless our time together, and uh, bless each one that is here. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So whenever somebody does a forum on uh, anything on sexual nature, you never really know uh, how many people are going to show up for that. Uh, about seven or eight years ago, Brother Dennis and I did a forum, I don't remember what it was called, on, uh, on sexual temptation. And we kind of thought, well, you know, that's a topic not too many people are going to actually come to. Um, actually, it happened here, and we, we, it was standing room only. Judging from the number of people that are here this morning, I said to my wife uh, earlier, if not too many people show up, I won't be surprised. If a lot of people show up, I won't be surprised. Um, this is less than I expected. Um, I think it's a topic that uh, is um, just one that we'd rather keep at bay if we can. I'd like to move very quickly uh, through this uh, presentation um, the, especially the beginning part, and really get to the, the parts where we can find help. Throwing up a date here. Anybody know what happened on this date? Okay, it doesn't stand out. The earthquake in Japan, 2011. Um, just a couple clips of the devastation. By all accounts, you know, that was a catastrophic event. And here's just a few of the statistics of, of what happened in the aftermath uh, or the, and that event and the aftermath of it. And you're going to ask, like, what does this have to do with pornography? I hope I make that point clear. Another date. Anybody know what happened or what's attributed to this date in history? Okay. Not looking at Wikipedia. This is the date that is attributed to the Internet, um, or the World Wide Web, rather, being uh, launched publicly. And uh, just want, as we go through this presentation, I want you to keep this uh, uh, quote of, that is attributed to the creator of the World Wide Web that he says it's an uncontrolled monster. So, you know, just briefly about the Internet, just the size of it, uh, we can't, you know, is, is, as it says here, unimaginable. And most of us really can't uh, imagine a world without the Internet because in many ways it's done so much good and benefited us in so many ways, but naturally, with the good, there comes the bad. Just to give you a, a sense of how huge this is, um, you know, to put it in, into number, it's really hard to grasp. And not only the information that is there, but also the visual information and YouTube being obviously very prominent in that. Um, if forums could have a, a rating, this would be um, rated R uh, in many ways, and I made that point in a sermon series that I that I had back home recently. And you know, when we read the Bible, there's R-rated material there as well, and a lot of it has to do with sexuality. But God puts it there for a reason, just to show not only the depravity of man, but also the the subtlety and the the, the schemes of of Satan. And um, you know, we, we see this as a restriction for movies, this uh, screen here, and yet, uh, as you will find out very shortly, our children, and as well as adults, uh, you know, especially those that are younger, have just uh, unlimited access to, to material that is, that is multiple times worse than the movies that are trying to be, um, they're trying to protect uh, children from here. So this forum is about... Uh, Internet pornography uh, to a large degree. Um, we're talking about, if we look at this definition here, illegitimate sexual activity. 
And I want to, and that, that can be a broad spectrum of, um, of things, and there's many things included in that. But specifically, uh, two areas of that, and that is acting out through internet pornography and masturbation. And, uh, you know, if we look at sort of the, this uh, definition of, um, of what uh, people typically think of porn, we quickly realize that it's not just those things that we can see online. It also obviously includes and involves the things that, uh, that we watch, uh, you know, sexually explicit movies and even some that maybe are not that much. Romance novels, fantasizing, music that has sexual content, um, the, the, the growing, uh, 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 you know, aspect of sexting that is uh, such a, uh, becoming such a commonplace thing for the youth. So we asked this question. I'm going to share some stats, and these are just a, a very s- uh, small sample of the stats that are out there, and they are literally um, breathtaking. Uh, you know, the, we can't even grasp how much um, the, uh, um, you know, of this material is out there on the web. And it's not only the, the, the material that's there, it's also the, how the world, the internet has changed everything in the sense of the devices that most of us, you know, smartphones that most of us have in our pockets or tablets and all the other things that, that really access this information that has changed it a lot. And, uh, you know, it really is, um, 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 you know, mind-boggling. So, uh, Going to give you, um, you know, just a sample of, of, of how this has uh, um, grown. So we see here how, when we're talking about pornography, how that has grown exponentially, you know, over the last, uh, well, certainly 20 years, but uh, certainly in the last few years. So 2012, 980 million porno- pornography web pages. In 2018, um, we, we have... Uh, uh, 2.3 billion, and uh, that number certainly uh, would have uh, jumped as well. Um, really, don't want to you know overwhelm you with these uh, you know stats, but just to give you a sense of how big this is, how huge, and how how it's growing exponentially uh, in the world. Um, once more, uh, you know, just the the idea here of, of how much there is, and just. Uh, um, some more recent uh, stats. So Pornhub is, is one of the major suppliers of, of pornography online. Um, and uh, in 2018, uh, the numbers had grown up to 33.5 billion visits in that year to, their, to that particular, um, you know, to their sites. And uh, that was up 5 billion from the previous year. So if we look at uh, pornography, we know it's, it's, it's always existed um, in, in different forms. This is nothing new. It's, it's been around. And it constantly changes with technology from that which was, you know, maybe uh, portrayed. You know, we just recently came back from England and saw, you know, there's art there that, uh, you know, in, by all intended purposes is pornographic. Um, you know, very different, though, from, you know, the still photos or still movies or, or even the things that, have, uh, that we see. Things changed drastically in, in our world, in our culture in the 1950s, and that was uh, largely as a result of the flawed research by uh, someone called Alfred Kinsey. And, uh, you know, society at large, in particular, uh, you know, the, those that uh, have influence began to uh, um, take that research and, and everything started to change and really it did, was the beginning of birthing the sexual revolutions, changing laws, um, legalizing many things that, that we see today, and most importantly, beginning to reshape uh, societies and, and people at large, their view of human sexuality. And in the, in the wake of this, uh, which I call a tsunami because it really is like that tsunami that started, you know, back then, and it's just like a wave that is, that is washing uh, over the world. And uh, it's becoming more and more 
uh, you know, tamed. And, and for those in my generation that maybe, you know, could access uh, um, rarely or was difficult to access things, uh, we know that uh, in today's society it's so much different and all of that back then looks very tame today compared to what we see. And where, what's the future hold? And we, they, they call, they're calling it porn 2.0. And what this is, is it's no longer you know, something that is produced somewhere else and consumed somewhere else. It's actually becoming very personal and created. And, it's be, and largely that's uh, something that's being uh, created and shared, especially with the, the youth and even children today. And so those lines are becoming blurred and uh, sexting, texting, and Snapchat, these are the new uh, mediums for a lot of this. And these stats uh, certainly are, um, uh, <clears throat> are there. And this you know, really brings out this point that you know, this is an uncontrollable monster. And part of the problem is that there's this insatiable uh, appetite you know, for this material. And, uh, and obviously affected by the use. I'm going to be showing several clips uh, here this morning uh, just to give you a sense of um, you know, what is happening out we there and where we're 2D, headed. We look at 2D, two-dimensional pornography, which has been going for hundreds of years. Everything is changing. You say, what do you mean? We're going into 3D pornography. Virtual reality, augmented reality, immersion reality it's a gaming device it's a reality device you put it on and i tried it i said i want you to create a villa so they did i put it on and went oh my gosh i'm in the villa i look down i turn around i look up i'm in the villa and then it hit me what this would do with pornography and nobody's talking about it like one pornographer said it's been our dream as pornographers for a hundred years. It'll take pornography from here right through the ceiling. It'll make everything that I've said about pornography anyone else over the last three, four, five, six, seven, eight years, child's play. Is the church ready for this? No, because the church is not aware of it. I can hardly find anyone that understands virtual reality in the church, pastors or anything. I mean, you say, well, do you know what Oculus Rift is? It's like in a woolly-woolly land. The church is not ready for it, and we don't have long. It's already mainline in the world. When it becomes mainline in the church, it's a hundred times harder to equip people for it. We look at... So I'd like to um, break this down a little bit for you, and uh, um, you'll quickly see that... Satan is targeting our children, our, my grandchildren, your children, and the, the youth. Just the statistics that you see here are just a, a sampling, but it clearly shows you know, what, is, what is going on. And, and really, you know, this, this uh, in one sense, should strike fear into the hearts of every parent. But you know, as believers, we know that you know, we are told not to fear, and yet we need to, to realize how pervasive um, this is, especially when we're talking about children and youth. Um, and with uh, um, you know, young people, uh, students, um, you know, it, it is just as pervasive. And we need to keep in mind that, that this now is a generation that uh, has, is growing up with all of this exposure and the devices and the mediums to access it uh, different than, you know, certainly my generations or several below me that remember a very different world. Um, just uh, I want to explain something. This research, a lot of the research comes from Barna. Barna is a research company that does a lot of research on different levels, mostly within the evangelical church in America. And, uh, you know, so all the secular uh, data, too, that's what they're um, referring to. And so this becomes very staggering to think that this is what's going on. Uh, 81% of those that are 13 to 18 years old actively seeking out pornography. These are people that are growing up in the churches of America. 
Um, and there's the other stats uh, that you can see, which are equally uh, uh, disturbing and staggering. And uh, the stats are also showing that while this is predominantly a male issue, it is not only a male issue, and it's gaining, gaining a foothold um, with women as well, and uh, young women in particular are very vulnerable to this as well. Um, there's a tremendous cost uh, to pornography on, it, within society, and uh, you know certainly it uh, um, you know has great effects on the church. I'm going to talk about that a little bit, but um, within society too, divorce, uh, infidelity. Uh, even mental illness, uh, you know, promiscuity, teen pregnancy, um, the list goes on and on of what this is uh, causing in society, the, the financial uh, burden that it creates as well. And, uh, and really the interesting thing is that, that, that secular society is, try, is starting to, not start, is beginning to really notice this and to take action. Um, and, and I'm just bringing out a couple of these, and there's more than a dozen states, as it says here, that, that are really beginning to look at this as a public health crisis, as, uh, as something that is, uh, uh, you know, very uh, serious. So what about the church? Um, you know, I, I've included this quote here. By many metrics, the church is collapsing by way of sexual immorality and impurity. And, you know, we... Um, well, we think of certain things that that is, but when we're talking about internet, you know, pornography and, and everything that it is and what it's doing, this is, without a doubt, sexual immorality and impurity. You know, we think fornication, adultery, that's sexual immorality. Internet porn is sexual immorality. To think anything less is, is a deception of the enemy. And sadly, um, the pastors that are being surveyed in all the churches of America, they're not seeing it as the problem, just as Josh McDowell said there, that it is. When we see that uh, nearly two-thirds of them see it as um, a minor or no problem at all. This is alarming. I'm going to be honest with you. I am a little disappointed that my peers aren't here this morning. Who's sounding the alarm? Where are the shepherds? Where are the watchmen? So what about us? You know, you look at those stats from Barna, and most of us would say, well, that's the evangelical church in North America. That's not us. Going back to these two stats here, Christian men who actively seek out pornography, 81%. Um, so what are the, the youth in our church the teens and those that are talking to them and listening to them saying. And I'll tell you what they're saying because they are talking to me and I'm talking to the ones that are talking to them. Our stats are no different. What's happening in the evangelical church in North America is happening in the apostolic Christian church. It's happening in my church. It's happening in your church. And we're... we're uh, deceiving ourselves, we're feeding into the lies of the enemy if we think that we are any better. And, you know, this is an interesting quote that is also coming out of the research that 70% of Christian men struggling with sexual bondage come from homes where rules override relationships, and they define that is, as a fundamental Christian uh, or fundamental evangelical home, which we probably lean in that direction. This is my quote. Um, it's my conviction that the destructive, intrusive immorality of internet pornography is the greatest danger that we are facing as a church. It's not immodesty. It's not false teaching. It's not liberalism, worldliness. It's not uh, legalism or any other long list. In my view, in my opinion, based on the exposure that I have and trying to help those that are struggling with this and what I've seen, I firmly believe, and there are others like Josh McDowell that are, that are out there and in the Christian communities, that this is the number one issue that we are facing as a church. Um, this is not only... Uh, 
you know, there is a, an element that, is, that research is beginning to, modern medical research is beginning to, and science is shedding some new light on, which is very interesting. I'm not going to get into the dopamine and the different parts of the brain and, and what happens. There's been discussions of that in the past. Um, but the, the, the reality is that the very thing that God created to, to um, en- enhance and to promote um, uh, intimacy, physical and, and spiritual and emotional intimacy within the marriage relationship, within his God-given design and plan, Satan has taken that and is using it to his advantage. I have people in my office that have affair after affair after affair. They cheat on their spouse over and over and over again, or they're involved in porn. They're ashamed. Why are they ashamed? Because on some level, they're not at peace with what they're doing. It is a moral failing, and people know they're doing this moral failing. But when we make those types of decisions, it actually causes changes in the brain. It activates the fear circuitry of the brain. This is called the amygdala. And when the amygdala activates it and and stays active chronically, it actually impairs the love circuits of the brain interesting to the cortex. We become more self-oriented. So when somebody looks at porn for the first time, what happens is they'll get an excitement, but they'll also have the orbital cortex fire and tell them this is inappropriate. Don't do this. And they'll have an apprehension or tension associated with it as well. If they chronically expose themselves to porn, this is very fascinating, there is actually a molecular change occurring on a genetic level in the orbital cortex of the brain where a protein that was not really expressed there before um, called delta Fos b actually alters the expression here and, and causes a desensitization. What this actually means then, if you want to use a biblical in- inference here, is that their consciences are becoming seared. The part of the brain that gives conviction of wrongdoing and redirects inappropriate behavior on a genetic and molecular level and structural level changes such that it stops responding. They get less and less conviction of guilt, less and less anxiety and stress at doing it, and pretty soon they become numb and there's no more guilt at all. People who've damaged their pleasure centers in this way will often be disinterested in their healthy relationships will often become apathetic, and they will seek out more either high-risk behaviors or drugs or other types of things like this to stimulate the the pleasure centers. So they can feel this. Now, rather than giving uh, uh, time for these circuits to heal themselves, where they can actually then start experiencing pleasure in a normal way. I have people in my office that... Sorry. Um, I'd like to, you know... Move. Uh, try to move a little bit quicker here uh, to get to the really important part. Um, and just before I just briefly mention sexual addiction, which a lot of this uh, involves sexual addiction, sexual bondage, um, for those that, um, for the many that are trapped in this, this is a, a vicious cycle of, of acting out. And I'm talking now the Christian community. Let's leave the world out of this. The Christian community that Satan is attacking that uh, a vicious cycle of, of acting out of, um, and then uh, you know, shame and guilt and uh, remorse and then confession and then um, going a time and a relapse. And a lot of that can move into, into um, addiction. Uh, but for many, uh, it is really a lack of self-control that they are demonstrating uh, in their spiritual life. Here's the definition of sexual addiction. When you cannot stop your behavior, when you're spending more time and money than you thought you would, when you've caught or had consequences but continue anyway, when you've made promises to quit and can't fulfill those promises to yourself, God, your family, and your wife, you most likely have an addiction. We wouldn't excuse an alcoholic who only gets drunk once every six months and say that he's not an alcoholic. And neither would we do that with someone that does drugs and overdoses or any other types of addictions. We need to see this for exactly what it is. And what it is really is a spiritual battle. Literally, the gates of hell have been swung open by Satan and the church is crumbling under this assault. This is all-out war that Satan is waging on the church, and we need to recognize this for what it was. When we did this talk uh, um, back then, seven or eight years ago, we said that this was Satan's silver bullet. 
Well, it's no longer a silver bullet. This is a nuclear bomb that has spread a cloud over the entire world, not just the church. We're talking about the church here this morning. Over the entire world, literally. And this cloud is descending upon society and the destruction is colossal. And the church is Satan's primary target. He has the world. But if he can attack the church and make the church um, succumb to this, believers, then he knows he will render them ineffective. The gospel will be ineffective. Uh, evangelism will, will, will cease. He knows what he's doing, and we are in, um, in his sights. We are the target. And so we get to this important part about the battle plan. And, and if you, and I believe that there definitely are going to be some here this morning that are uh, struggling with this. And there's a whole lot more in the other forums that thought that that was a little bit safer, perhaps, to be sitting in listening to, as important as those subjects are, that are struggling with this. When you sit in the auditorium, I think all of us would be shocked to know how many are struggling with this addictive, compulsive behavior in their lives and how it's influencing their families. And so it's hard for those that are struggling with it, if you're here or if you know of someone and you're trying to help someone, there is a battle plan and there needs to be a strategy in this. There is no silver bullet that is going to cure this. There isn't one scripture that I can give you that will take this away. This requires a strategy. And that strategy is that we need to call on the name of the Lord to fight this battle. Um, you know, it is in the power of the name of Jesus would believe that. You need to stop hiding your sin. You know, the Bible makes that very clear. This sin uh, thrives and it grows in, um, uh, in secrecy. And as long as the enemy can keep us or keep anyone keeping this a secret in their lives, he knows that he has the upper hand. And so we need to break that cycle and be willing to, to be transparent and to confess that sin, not only to God, but also with each other. So important. You need to get into the word you know, the standard lines, uh, even within our churches, and I've used them in the past, is, you know, when, when someone has come and they're, you know, they've, they've fallen into this sin, they struggle with masturbation, you know, pray harder, you know, read the Bible, and, 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 and all of that is true, but it takes, it takes an understanding of what's going on in the brain, for sure, but it takes a very uh, committed effort to do certain things to, to reshape our minds. And in Romans it says, uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Just as the brain and those neural pathways within the brain can, can be influenced and, and um, affected to, to make someone go back time and time again in spite of the fact that, that it causes them so much unrest and, and takes away their peace and, and guilt and shame, makes them go back to that. In the same way, we can retrain our brains and our minds. And the way to do that is to get into the Word. Um, you know, this applies not just to to a young man. This applies to every one of us. You know, getting into the Word, memorizing scriptures, having devotions. It's pretty hard to, to, to be involved in internet porn if these things are happening on a regular and an effective basis uh, in, in our lives. And, and that's so important, um, you know, for those things to be, to be happening. You need to get, a, get rid of the sources of temptation. If cable TV is the problem, or HBO, or, or even the internet, um, you know, it, it, there's an expression out there, radical uh, amputation. That needs to happen. We need to um, be willing to, to recognize that uh, 
we need to flee from those things. That's what the Bible teaches us. There's instructions there that, uh, that, we, can, that we can follow. And God has and does make a way of escape for these things. Um, obviously, there's, there needs to be protection, you know, uh, you know, for, for families, for individuals, um, you know, and, and monitoring software where to do that. Um, and that becomes so important as well. And it's really uh, perhaps not alarming, but, you know, when I talk to the brothers in my own church that tried to promote this um, and, and encourage it within the church, the response within the church, our churches, your church, my church is, um, we don't need this. Uh, it's not my kids. Uh, there's, it's like we're oblivious to what's going on. And unless we're willing to take the steps necessary to protect ourselves and our children from this, Satan has an inroad. Of course, you can't block every um, access out there. But if you're not blocking any, or at least most of them, um, it should be no surprise to what's happening. And we need to be in community, need to have those that are going to hold us accountable, those that we can... Uh, that will pray with us, that will encourage us, those that we can talk to when we're struggling and that we confess our, f- can, uh, f- uh, confess our faults to each other. And really, when it comes all down to it, we need to put on the whole armor of God. And the Bible has promised that we can be more than conquerors through, uh, through Christ. Um, last clip that I'd like to share. Which way is your sword, Amy? Because what a man loves is what he protects. And to protect them would be this. You have an accountability guy you're honest with and accountable to on a regular basis. To protect them, if you're an addict, you're in a support group of some kind. To protect them, you would have a porn blocker on your cell phone. I have one. You'd have a porn blocker on your computers. Okay, you would have boundaries on your entertainment, what movies you can and cannot see. You would be able to be said no to things that you shouldn't be participating in. You know, protection has a fragrance. And when a woman smells that fragrance, her heart feels so safe. And when she can't smell it, she feels innately insecure. See, what a man loves is what he protects. If you do any things I suggested, accountability, honesty, confessing your faults, blocking stuff, your sword is aiming against the enemy and protecting those behind you. Now, however, if you're not doing those things, your sword is actually aimed toward your family, towards your wife that you say you love. You're aiming your sword towards your children and you're wounding them. And, and intentionally so that you can have pleasure in a way that's inappropriate. So it's real simple. Which way is your sword, Amy? Which? So I think we're getting to really uh, an important part, and this is especially for the parents uh, you know, that are here. As I look over the audience, uh, it really probably is a small handful um, you know, that, that are there. So... Um, but nevertheless, this is important. This message needs to get out, and this is really what it's, what it's all about. Um, we are fighting for our children, our grandchildren, our adult children. It's not just fighting for little children. I need to be fighting, you need to be fighting for your adult children as well that have their own children because of the, the, the tsunami that, uh, that is that is spreading over the whole world, this dark cloud that is descending uh, with its uh, deadly gases um, on not only the world, but the church as well. And obviously the first line of defense is going to be that we pray for protection against the exposure. We, we're all exposed to, you know, to this. We, there's no way of escaping, um, you know, the exposure to the sexual, not only the immorality, but the, the visual images that are out there. And so the first and probably most important thing that we can do is, is pray to the God of heaven that, uh, that we would be protected from, from that exposure and that we need to do that. And fathers need to be uh, intentional in their lives. And you know, as I reflect back on my role as a father and the busyness of life and, and recognize that like most of us as fathers, we're not involved in our children's lives uh, to the degree that we should be and to the degree that will really make a difference so that they can and will be protected from that. 
and it's not just fathers, it's, it's us as parents, mothers and fathers, having a lot of involvement in their children's lives. Uh, you know, keeping them busy uh, with, with wholesome activities. Um, you know, this, this phenomenon that has taken place, and there'll be more forums talking about this, you know, everywhere you go, uh, you know, everybody's into their tablets, their smartphones, and, and all of us do it as well. And, and the amount of, of garbage, you know, especially with internet pornography that is, that is so easily accessible there, we need to get back to a time and, 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 and place where, where there's interaction between, within the family and you're building relationships and doing the kinds of things that, that, that build healthy uh, lives you know, for our children. And to recognize that, that prevention... Uh, is so important, you know, to, to deal with the problem. And, and you know, when, when I counsel, you know, with especially young men, brothers in the church that are struggling with this, you know, many of them have been struggling for years. Um, and, and, you know, what could have been prevented years ago instead of, uh, you know, waiting, you know, to, to the time that, uh, you know, they, they come and it's very difficult. The quote at the beginning there, I think, from Benjamin Franklin, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If you can prevent that exposure, you will not be able to, to insulate your children. Children will not be able to be insulated from this entirely. It's not a question of, of, uh, of if they will see pornography. It's a question of when they see it and will they be equipped to know what to do. And if that relationship is there and you're talking with your children from a very young age, at an age-appropriate way, even about these things, it can and will make a difference. We'll get to that a little bit uh, more. But encouraging them to also have that spirituality and developing a spiritual relationship um, with family devotions, things that, that put the focus in the family where it ought to be. And they are going to... Um, they're going to see what's important to you. If they see you constantly in your phone or on your tablet, on computer, that's what they're going to gravitate for. If they see you compromising in some of the things that you're watching on TV or on DVD, um, you can be sure that that is influencing the way they think about these things. I said it here at camp recently in a sermon back home. What parents... Uh, allow in moderation their children will excuse in excess. And that is probably um, more true when it comes to, to the content of the things that we watch than in many other areas of life, but so very, very important. Be careful uh, who their friends are, and, and as much as you can protect them and, and try to shelter them in your home, we, we realize that, that we can't keep them there forever. They're going to have friends. They're going to be at school. They're going to be exposed to these things. And, and you need to know what's going on there and, and also then talk to them and teach them how they're going to respond to these situations when, when others are doing something that's inappropriate or some are sending uh, you know, messages to them that are inappropriate and, and have built that relationship so that they will be safe. They will know it's safe to come and talk to you about these things. But then also talk to the parents of, of your children's friends. Know what's going on in their homes, in their families. What kind of rules, uh, boundaries, protection do they have so that you know what you're trying to instill in your uh, children's lives is not going to be undermined when they leave your house and, and go to a friend's house or maybe even a relative's house or even a church family's house. We, we kind of think, well, they're safe if they go to a, a, another family's house at the church. Think twice. Check. Don't assume anything. And when they're going there overnight that requires extra caution uh, as well. Um, and obviously this one here applies very much if we're talking about fighting for our children. You know, it, it just occurred to me, uh, you know, we put fences around swimming pools. We 
put poisons and, and, and harmful chemicals in drawers where the kids can't reach them. We lock doors where, where we don't want them to get in. We make sure those things are out of reach for the children because of the harm, the physical harm that those kinds of things can cause. But when it comes to the biggest and the, 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 the greatest danger that exists, polluting their hearts, their minds, and, and ultimately trying to destroy their futures and their, their health and well-being for the future, sadly, I would venture to say that the majority of the households of the campers here don't have that kind of protection for themselves and especially for their children. And we have that experience back home that it's off the radar. It's not, doesn't seem to be that important. This is critically important. And if you're not doing, if you're not protecting them there, how in the world will they be protected when they get out in the world and in those places where, where they are, um, uh, you know, exposed to this on a far greater level? The stats prove that most children, and, and you saw the stats there, 11 years old is now the, the accepted statistic when children are typically first exposed to pornography, and some are, are bringing that down to eight, as low as eight years of age, uh, that that exposure is, 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 is happening in, in children's lives. And what, um, you know, when they're, when they're being exposed to that, you know, uh, you know, how are they, um, you know, going to respond to that? A lot of times that exposure is not intentional. It's like doing their homework. That's what the statistics show. They're, they're doing their homework and, and it, it pops up. And that popping up creates curiosity. And then very quickly for so many of them, they get sucked into this quagmire, into this quicksand of the internet pornography. And, and, in all its vilest forms. I mean, we're not even talking, we haven't even talked about how depraved, how, how awful this really is. Um, so important to have that protection, um, you know, for the, the, the technology that is there, uh, you know, that can be utilized and, and needs to be utilized to help protect not only your children, but also every one of us as well. Um, but not forgetting all of the spiritual disciplines uh, you know, that we talked about earlier that are so important you know, to protect ourselves and our children as well. You need to talk to your children about, uh, about this. And I'd like to just, uh, we have on the back table there some resources. Most of them are, are more adult uh, um, geared. Uh, but this particular book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, an excellent resource that we've put into our church library back home uh, very conservative, but very to the point and very um, uh, age appropriate and just teaching parents that want to to guard their children against this um, this uncontrollable monster uh, you know how to do that, how to talk to your children, the language to use i 'm going to um, in, you know, in addition to that material that you can have a look at and take note of, there are some handouts back there, some resources that can can also help uh, in this uh, in this area as well. Um, but uh, and I'm also going to make sort of a, 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 a handout available somehow through the camp uh, where where this PowerPoint will be available that will contain a lot more information of of how to speak to your children, what to look for. Um, you know, in their lives and, and, and what's going on uh, with them to be able to know, you know, how to talk to them and to be there to support them. Um, considering that the, the children of today are growing up in a time that is so different than, than my generation or the, the ones, perhaps many of, of your generations too. What they are exposed to, the world that they are exposed to is so different and the stats are showing that Satan is making them his primary target. So we need to teach them how to handle those situations and, and you know, um, what to do when that happens because <clears throat> it, will, it will definitely happen. 
I'd like to, <clears throat> we have uh, just a little bit more than 10 minutes uh, left. <clears throat> I'd like to um, kind of summarize, uh, um, and, and you know, before I do that, I just, I can't, we can't uh, understate, uh, you know, the importance of, of this with our children, because that's, that's the future of the church, and, and they're the ones that are growing up with this, and I'm dealing, you know, with, with you know, those that, that have, have also grown up with this onslaught of, um, of internet pornography and, you know, sexual addiction and, and these behaviors that are, are really having such a huge impact on their lives. Um, the outlook is not good. If, if, if the church, if we don't begin to look at this differently, the outlook and the future of the church is, uh, is not very good as well. I'd like to summarize it with, with these four points. And this is, you know, obviously for our, perhaps more for ourselves and, and those that are struggling and, and those that need help. But these four items are, are critically important. Uh, we need to be willing to become vulnerable. We need to be willing to, you know, to, to open up with someone, you know, not that we open up in a group. It, I mean, that can happen, or or in a large group. But we need to be vulnerable and realize this sin does thrive in um, in uh, in secrecy, and we need to you know recognize that and and recognize that if we cover it, it uh, um, not only will we not prosper, but uh, that it's going to have a, a huge impact on us and our lives. So really being willing to start talking about this. It is the elephant in the room. It is the subject that nobody wants to talk about. And it's probably the reason why, you know, this room isn't full, because it's a lot easier to talk about other things. As I said, those are important subjects. They're relevant. They're very relevant uh, for our children and our families as well. But I, I firmly believe with all of my heart that everything else pales pales in comparison to this we need to be willing to be accountable one to another confess uh, confessing our faults uh, so that we can be healed so that there can be cleansing happening um, so important that we be in community um, you know the day is approaching you know the day of judgment you know i called this forum as in the days of noah if god doesn't judge the world that you and I live in today, the way he judged the people of Noah's time, he's going to have to apologize to them and to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He will have no choice if he doesn't bring judgment upon, the, upon this earth very soon because of the, the, the scope of, of, of what is happening out there in, in this world of internet pornography, of sexual immorality, and the depravity of man and that, is, that is, is sweeping the world literally like a tsunami. And being in community for, for us as believers is, is so important. Um, this thrives in isolation, um, but it, it, it can be healed and helped when we're willing to talk about it and, and share it with one another and, and, and follow all the one another's that we find written in the Bible and apply them uh, to our lives. Um, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, and there are so many that are being overtaken in this fault, and sometimes we like to call these things fault when it literally is sin, serious sin that we're talking about here. Um, Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Um, Being spiritual is so important. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. There is power, there is hope, and there's spiritually, um, um, there's spiritual help. The Bible is that we are more than conquerors, you know, through through Him that loved us. Um, 
you know, there's a saying, an expression that I've often used, what you feed will grow and what you starve will die. And if you feed, if, if we feed, you know, the, the, the lies that the enemy is, is, is giving into the world and all of this, this problem is just going to grow and it is growing exponentially. But if we starve that and starve it by instead feeding on God's word, God's promises, the hope that is found in Scripture, because there is hope in Scripture. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Um, You know, there are countless Scriptures. We are more than conquerors. Countless Scriptures that tell us who we are in Christ and that we are no longer uh, need to be enslaved, you know, you know, by this. There is victory. And unfortunately, this is evading so many believers in their lives, sadly. And I think largely because we're not, we're not accessing the power of the Spirit, the power of prayer, all of the things that can provide the help and the healing that we need on a consistent basis. Um, God is greater than all of this. I think, you know, this morning as I was, you know, considering this and praying, I, I, I thought, I believe it was Elisha whose, whose servant was looking out over the valley and he saw the, the enemy, uh, the vast uh, numbers of the enemy that uh, were there. And, and uh, you know, and he said, I think he said, alas, master, like, look at that. And then um, Elisha uh, you know, I think prayed and, and asked his eyes to be open, and all of a sudden he saw on the hills a vast army of, of God's angels <clears throat> that are protecting. We have a God that is far greater, and we need to recognize that, that there is truly victory in Jesus. There's hope for this. We shouldn't succumb and say, you know, it's, it's a lost, it's, you know, a lost cause. No, there is hope, there's help, there's healing available. And that does come in the form of resources that are available. Um, I'm just mentioning a few here. Um, the Sister Church on their counseling website has some excellent resources, um, you know, specifically on this. Resources to help those that are struggling, to recognize what it is, um, to uh, help the wives that are struggling with, you know, their husbands who, who are, are, are addicted and, and falling into you know, into this, you know, how to help the youth and uh, understanding all of this as, as well. We have, and an, something that we've uh, adapted from them as well, something called the Way of Purity um, that we've had uh, for the past 10 years um, that has been used by precious few. Um, has proven to be effective, um, not always, but, but certainly helpful. Uh, uh, an accountability, a mentoring 60-day program that, uh, that can really um, make a difference. And there are, in all of our churches, there's those that have been given that material. I encourage you to talk to, to, um, to, your, um, to, to those in your churches, uh, you know, the, the ministers, elder, and ask about that. If you, if you are struggling with it or if you know of someone that's struggling with it that can, can use that, then I can certainly help you with that as well. Um, back home, we've uh, begun to use a, a DVD series, Conquer series. Uh, the clips that you saw this morning were taken from that series. Um, it's a, a 10 series DVD with workbooks, a very intentional, um, uh, um, powerful DVD series. You know, there's so much pornography out there, but there is also a lot of help on the internet. Um, and uh, resources, written materials, the ones that I've shown you here, some books that we have in our library and books that I've also recommended, some that you may have seen before. Uh, There's copies of these books if you want to browse through them before you leave here today. Uh, Encourage you to to get informed and and understand the scope of of this problem and what's going on and, and address it in a serious way. We need, we need to do that. Um, you know, internet filtering, uh, my brother Fred is here, brother Gary Tomic uh, is here, brother Zen from our church, they're working on uh, some more information that uh, will be help, uh, helpful for that. 
but you know, these are the, 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 the practical helps that are out there that are also really important. Just a couple that are mentioned. There's very many out there, um, and I'm, this is not my field, but there are those that, uh, that certainly can help with that and just encourage you to, to, get, uh, you know, to get that help as well. Um, brings me to the end of, of the, uh, the PowerPoint uh, here. Just, uh, you know, I have uh, a couple uh, handouts at the back there. Um, you know, I didn't print that many, but uh, there's probably enough for, for, you know, those that are interested here. Um, you know, we are beginning, and I'm thankful for this, we are beginning to talk about this as, as elders. Um, and we are talking about it back in Ontario with our ministers and elders there as well. We, they've developed uh, some resources for that, and so there's a sheet on that with that information. Uh, some quick uh, um, uh, references, you know, on, on the uh, internet uh, filtering. And then a sheet that has a lot of the resources. So Josh McDowell has, has made this the focus of his ministry uh, over the past uh, probably 10 years. Um, you know, he has a, a, a research data, 2,000 pages of, of data that, uh, and, and there's, uh, that information is on the board or on the table back there, of what they call the porn um, epidemic um, Barna Research calls this the porn phenomenon. Um, and, you know, that information is on, uh, you know, is available online. They've condensed those two, the almost 2,000 pages down to uh, an executive synopsis of, of 100 and, I think, 70 pages or something like that, and then another one that even down to 11, just, you know, for those that don't have time to read all of that. Amazing amount of uh, information, but also help that is available on many different uh, fronts. And then an article from the sister church talking about uh, this, um, this landscape as well. I, uh, you know, I, I, want to, um, I want to go back where I've gone back a couple times and just say again that this, I believe, is the biggest problem we are facing as a church. It is the elephant in the room. It is the very thing that, that people don't want to talk about, but we need to talk about it. We need to address this. It is impacting our churches. I think it impacts our young people, or not just young people, you know, married people and how they look. You can't look at this stuff and not have it affect your own sexuality, your own marriages, your own relationships. Young people are being exposed to that. What kind of expectations are they going to have as they enter into married life? the unrealistic expectations. Consider the damage that is being done, especially to the women and children that are the subjects of this evil. Let's just call it for what it is. Horrific evil that is in the world and the damage that is doing to their lives. The church needs to wake up and realize that anyone, whoever they are, when they are looking at this, they are actually perpetrating the abuse that is happening. We haven't even talked about the human trafficking, you know, the, the, um, the abuse, the physical, and all the abuses that, that go along with this and, and the, the, you know, the fallout in society. But to, to, to view this, to access this, makes us complicit, makes us guilty. And not to do something about it, to know what I've shared this morning and to know what's going on out there and not to take this really seriously makes us complicit as well that we are going along with the enemy. We cannot succumb to that. This is going to make it difficult for young people to convert when they realize that this is sin and that they need to have victory over sin. They need to be dead to sin. And it's so hard. And for most of them, especially young brothers, I'm being very open and frank with you, it comes back. They may have a time of overcoming it, but they're dealing with it after they're converted and not in small numbers. We may pride ourselves in talking about being dead to sin and, and, and no longer living it. And I understand that. 
Um, that is important. That's what the Bible teaches. But we need to take this a whole lot more serious. And if we don't, the consequences are going to be very serious for the church, for the current generation and those that are growing up in this generation. And what it's doing to marriages, what it's doing to families, how it's destroying lives, like we can't even begin to, to, to do that. There's a danger in overstating something. The danger is that if you overstate something, then the impression may be, well, everybody's doing it, or most people are doing it. So I'm not that different. But there's a far greater danger in understating it and pretending, in a sense, that this isn't going on and that somehow we are immune or insulated from this. Brothers and sisters, friends, all of you that are here, it's time to wake up and realize how big of an issue this is in the world, in the Church of Christ globally, in the Apostolic Christian Church as a denomination, in your churches, wherever they are, in our lives, in our families. We need to wake up. Thank you. Anyone, feel free to look at the resources. Feel free to talk to me. Uh, I encourage that we talk about this subject. I think it's very important.